Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian. Now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Jessica Schroeder, a registered dietitian and also an Iowa girl who had her nutrition aha moment her senior year in high school during track season. Since then, she's worked in school food service management, clinical, in a plastic surgeon office, and currently has her own business, Expedition Wellness. She is passionate about all things wellness, dietitians, marathons, and the great outdoors. Please enjoy my conversation with Jessica. Well, I'm excited to be, actually, this is my first podcast that I've had in person for a very long time, not just because of COVID, but just because of technology. So I'm excited that it got to be you to be my first in person in a while. So I am excited to learn more about you. I know we've connected just loosely through the Iowa Academy and just a little bit of diet, dietitian stuff in the in the Des Moines area. Mm-hmm. So let's get back to when you were a younger individual and when you were young, Jessica. Oh, how did boy. you get interested in dietetics? Where did that come from for you? Uh, it's funny you ask because recently I was reflecting on that. And um, so I grew up on a farm um, in eastern Iowa. And I remember a time when I was little and I wanted to be Pocahontas. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I wanted to be Pocahontas. <laughs> and I remember like going around the farm, like foraging and like trying to find like berries and just like random things. And I would like put them in a little bowl and I would squish them up and I would, you know, pretend like it was medicine. Like that, that would have been done. I don't know. And what Pocahontas would have did. Right. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> it's like, I, I was thinking back on that and somehow that memory popped up and I was like, is that where it really started? Like, was I really interested in nutrition back then? And I really just didn't know even what it was all about. Um, but then fast forward to high school, that's really when it, it all kind of started. I just became really interested in it, started researching. Um, you know, I, the internet was a lot different back then. Oh, back for then. sure. Yeah. It's so Maybe it might have still yeah. been dialogue. I don't know. Um, but I was just researching and just found that I really enjoyed it. I started reading books about it, you know, outside of my normal schoolwork stuff. And um, that year was my senior year. And um, I had track season. And the years prior, I just had not performed the, the way I wanted to perform. And I'm like, hmm, maybe there's something to this whole, you know, nutrition thing. And so I just decided to, like, completely change my lifestyle. I, I had been eating total junk food prior to that. My parents eat junk food or something. <laughs> They're much better now. But back then, you know, there were Doritos and Funyuns and Mountain Dew and, and you name it. Like, and I would just come home and, and snarf it all down. I worked at Subway and oh I would God. eat Subway cookies all the time Those and Subway delicious. sandwiches. Like, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and I got to determine which cookies got made. So I'd make sure it was like the ones that, <laughs> that I liked. liked. <laughs> and I just, it, you know, it wasn't good at all. And I just could feel myself not doing well. And so changed everything. I started eating vegetables. I didn't even eat my first salad until I was in high school. Wow. And uh, so this was a huge change for me. I mean, even just eating vegetables in general, but also fruits. And I used to make myself these smoothies. I remember making the smoothies I would take with me to track meats, um, salads. Uh, I would make my own salmon. Like, 
as a senior, senior in high school. Yeah. I know, crazy. <laughs> I guess when I get my mindset on something, I'm like, I'm going to do this. Uh, my parents thought I was crazy, uh, but they're like, well, this is great. She's making dinner for us. So. I was like, were you cooking for the yeah. family too? Yeah. Nice. I'm an only child. So, <laughs> oh, okay. uh, so it was to their benefit as well. Sure. Um, so that was, that was good. But then um, I was also taking a medical course at the time um, through a local community college to basically, you know, kind of look into the medical field because I knew I wanted to do something medical. I wanted to help people in some way. Um, and this course was to become a CNA. Well, I quickly decided I did not want to be a CNA or a nurse or anything related to that. <laughs> Wiping butts and doing that kind of stuff was just not, not my thing. No. Um, but it was around that time when I got really um, interested in nutrition. So my professor had asked, you know, all of us high school students, is there a certain, you know, area that you want to learn more about? And I had come to her and asked her, you know, about nutrition. She's like, oh, I'll have a dietitian come and talk to the class then. I'm like, Cool. I didn't even know that that that's what that person was called. And so this dietitian came and talked to our class, and I was just like, "Yep, this is what I'm going to do." And so from then on, I researched, you know, where to go. And Iowa State was the the best, you know, in-state option. So I did definitely did not want to go to the University of Iowa, which they didn't have dietetics. They still don't have a full dietetics program. Um, but it was just too close to home. I was ready to get out of my small town and spread my wings. So Iowa State was was that. And um, I haven't looked back since. So that's really where it all kind of Begin. I'm gonna think of you as Pocahontas now, like foraging this little sweet Jessica <laughs> oh out gosh. in the fields. I think that's amazing that you yeah. just and that you went to this place of not eating well and recognizing it as mm-hmm. a high school student. That's yeah. pretty. I mean, that's pretty intuitive to your body at that point. And yeah, I'm sure your track, uh, your your students that you were in track with were like, "What is she eating? Like, why?" Oh, at track meets, they were like, <laughs> they would give me weird looks and they'd be like, "What are you eating?" I'm like. It's called a vegetable. <laughs> you it's might a crazy not know. Concept. I know. Um, but, you know, from that, I also, I didn't even finish saying, I guess, that, you know, I actually ended up having my best track season ever. Did you? And ended up qualifying for, or actually qualifying and running at state and um, almost broke the school record in the 1500. And I was off by one second, and oh, which was just like devastating. So close. Um, but I had come so far. Like I was, I was very slow prior to that. So, uh, <laughs> You know, to me, that was just such an eye opener and um, an awakening as to what nutrition can really do. And that has uh, that has stuck with me all through my career. And to this day, especially when I work with the kiddos and the high schoolers and because I work with I've worked with a lot of athletes and it's just so fun to see them see that, too. You know, when they have like that aha moment of like how nutrition can really increase their or improve their performance because you know that exact feeling so yeah. you're like I had that exact same feeling and yeah. it's like crazy to have that connection it's amazing interesting. yeah it's interesting yeah so went to Iowa State um never looked back throughout that whole process did you do your internship with Iowa State then I did too? I okay. did and I ended up getting placed in um Cedar Rapids and that happened to be in 2008, and that was during the big floods of 2008. I don't oh, know if you recall right. that. So yes. that that really uh, provided a unique internship um, experience. <laughs> we ended up having to supply food to the entire hospital. I was at St. Luke's, um, okay. off of running off of a generator because the floodwaters had crept up that far. Mercy had already been 
on a generator and actually they had to evacuate um, at that time. Oh and at St. Luke's, we were just holding on for dear life, praying that the water didn't come, come up to, to the <laughs> hospital. Uh, it was it was insane. And uh, so I, I commuted from my parents' house to Cedar Rapids, which is about a 45 minute drive. And there were like, there was flood water up to the road. 380. And I was driving back and forth every day. And I'm like, Please don't cross the road. Please don't cross. Like the water was that close. Wow. And there's nowhere to go right. at that point. So it was really scary. But well, and you know that you have to do your internship. It's yeah. Not like you can't be like, hey, I'm not going to come in today because it's flooding. Funny story about that, actually. That winter was also one of the worst winters we've had here in Iowa in a long time. My dad, being a farmer, uh, I, I told him, like, Dad, I have to get to my internship. Like, is there any way we can get there? Like, I can't miss a day. I will be in so much trouble. I they, I could fail. And mm-hmm. he's like, we'll find a way. So we get in the truck, and I'm hanging on to the handle. And we're, like, they had closed down the highway. And everything. my parents live on Highway 6, and they had closed down the highway. Like, it was that bad. And my dad's wow. trying to drive me to Cedar Rapids to get to my internship. Oh my gosh. Like, Thanks, Dad. Did you and you got there? No, no, nope. we did not. We tried so we, hard. We tried so hard. And it, it sounded like everybody else ended up having to um call in that day as well. Um I, I remember calling Janet, which I think Janet is still maybe there. Uh and I'm like, Janet, we tried to get there. And she's like, Go home. You are you are okay. You don't need to to get here on a crazy day like that. So we made it about like fifteen miles, and we had to turn around. So isn't that? But you know, like that whole internship. I think there's like I feel like it's changed a little bit, but I do feel like there is that. If I don't go to my internship, I can't miss a day. I can't miss an hour. I can't like it's no. so much pressure to like and just to even like risk your life and your dad. <laughs> you know, like how crazy that that you the internship is that it, they just drill it into us right. that like you, you have to do that like yeah <laughs> it's crazy all these years later I will never that's, forget that that's it well I think internship time is just embedded in, well for you oh, too yeah. like if it was flooding and all those other outside things were yes. happening that it you didn't have a, a very normal experience no, yeah no, it was crazy and you, and you still wanted to be a dietitian so and good somehow, for you yeah somehow <laughs> yeah yeah so after you made it through your internship, maybe kind of start taking me through like the first parts of your career to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so in college, I really, I, I worked um, at the ISU Central Bakery. I was a student manager all oh. through college and I really felt like food service management was like where I wanted to be. And because I, I, that's just what I had always done. I'd always worked in food service and I really enjoyed management and I enjoyed being in the food service industry. And so uh, I had had an opportunity to job shadow one of the nutrition directors for one of the local schools here, actually the West Des Moines School District, mm-hmm. and just sort of fell in love with like having that mentor. You know, she was 60 at the time around there like I knew she was getting ready to retire in the next five years or so working working for the state you know she was trying to collect as much diapers as possible (laughs) and uh so for me I saw it as an opportunity to be to have a mentor and so I even in college like while I was still in college and in my internship I would find opportunities to go and be with her and be around her I wasn't getting paid I wasn't you know getting a grade for it it was like I just wanted to hang out with her and just learn from her And what came of that was she decided to actually create 
a job for me. Um, she also had realized, you know, her own deficiencies in that she had been out of the whole nutrition world for so long. She just felt so far behind in the whole dietetics world. And it, you know, if you think timeline wise in 2008 was when the Obamas came into administration and, mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle was very big on school nutrition. And so a lot of new rules and guidelines were trickling down. And I think she kind of like panicked, like, I don't know anything about this. I don't have time to deal with it. And so that became my job. And so I, you know, had to start from scratch with them because they had not had anything in the computer, like nothing. So it was all like just paper. Like it wasn't even like the nutrition information wasn't even calculated anywhere. It was just like, I think we're doing okay. (laughs) Uh, And she knew that they were up for audit, like uh, within I think a couple years. And so that was one of her major goals, you know, seeing and knowing that that's what one of my main projects was to do. And uh, so I did that. But then another big part of of working there. I wrote grants. I went into classrooms and taught, you know, kids about fruits and vegetables with the pick a better snack program, which was really fun. That was probably my favorite part, um, outside of the, the management, you know, world calculations and yeah. Menus. Right. <laughs> um, but the, the downside to that job was that whenever a kitchen manager called in sick, I had to go fill in. So I would get a call at four in the morning, like, hey, this kitchen manager called in. You need to go fill in. And at so, any school. It didn't and, matter. Well, they have four kitchens. So okay. um, it was either they have two junior highs that have kitchens. They have a Valley Southwoods, which is a freshman school. And then they have the high school of Valley. And, uh, yeah, so uh, that demographic tends to call in sick a lot. Mm-hmm. And that happened a lot. Almost every day I would be going into a kitchen. So I would work in a kitchen from like 5 a.m. until 3.30, 4 o'clock when the last staff person left, you know, at the end of the day. And then I would have to go back to my office and do my own job. You are kidding. No. And oh, my I gosh. Mean, you know, I, I'm just this this positive person coming out of college. I'm like, I'm going to save the world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, pretty much just get stomped on and That's worked terrible. to death. And, you know, looking back, I obviously I didn't get paid very much either. I was either. like, you probably weren't even getting no, any money for especially what you doing. when I worked that many hours. I mean, I, I was in there that early, and I usually didn't get home till after 7 o'clock every day. So I, it got to a point where it was just too much. And um, I actually then was pregnant with my first child, and I remember I was like five months pregnant. I had gotten a call at like five in the morning saying you need to go fill in a valley. And I just remember crying, thinking, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Like, this is not good. You know, and what are we going to do when I have a baby? Like, I have nowhere to take a baby at five in the morning, you know? <laughs> and so uh, that was like my, the universe telling me you need to find something different. And uh, so from there, I ended up leaving and going to Mercy and it was just a total 180 from where I was at. Yeah. And I loved it for that reason, because it was just exactly what I needed at that time in my life. It was like, you clock in, you clock out, you go in, you do your job and you leave. You know, I didn't have to take anything home with me, um, which was so wonderful. And um, I, you know, being a dietitian, it's, it's nice when you can get some of that clinical experience back sure. in because I started in food service. And so I didn't start in clinical, like a lot of other dietitians 
tend to. And so uh, it was nice to kind of get a lot of that clinical knowledge back. And um, because I was a relief dietitian, uh, I was working on all the floors and working in all the different areas. So you got pulled everywhere. Everywhere. When you, as a relief dietitian, um, sometimes those can be like a scary kind of position to take because mm-hmm. you're like, well, what am I going to do with my guaranteed hours? Were you guaranteed a certain amount of hours or did it just kind of depend? No, I was not. Um, I was I was a 0.5 employee and I was okay with that. You know, at, at that time, by then, um, I had had my son and for us at that time, it was perfect. You know, we didn't want to have to pay too much for daycare. Sure. And so there would, there would be weeks where I would work five days and there would be weeks where I might work one or two days and I was okay with that. But after a while, um, I was, my, my child, my first child is definitely a first child and he <laughs> likes schedule and routine and I, for both of us, it definitely was starting to wear on us by the time I ended up leaving. And I didn't really realize it, you know, till after I left, I was like, we need more, more structure. routine and structure. Yeah. Cause he would be going somewhere different every day. He didn't Aww. know who he was going to be with. I didn't know who he was going to be with every day. <laughs> Depending on the day, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, but it was, it was a great time. And honestly, that's where I sort of found my passion for where I am now, really. Um, cause I did work some at the West or sorry, at the uh, Mercy Weight Loss Center. And there, that was where I really found where I wanted to specialize in weight loss um, specifically. And so then I did the uh, adult weight loss management, whatever certification that's called. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, and then I ended up leaving after two years, um, just be by chance, um, a friend of a friend of a friend uh, had a um, practice who's actually a facial plastic surgeon and they had hired a dietitian to uh, run a weight loss program for them and um, the dietitian they had hired had left and so they were looking for a dietitian I'm like sure I'll check it out mm-hmm. and I go in I interviewed and toured the place I'm like this is like awesome it's not a hospital it's a positive place it's a whole new world for me. I don't know anything about facial plastic surgery <laughs> prior to going into this. Uh, and so that was just, it was really fun and exciting. And I was going to have a salary. I was going to get to start from the ground up essentially. Um, and basically run my own business, but with an umbrella, mm-hmm. which is kind of an ideal situation, you know, to be able to have that guaranteed pay, um, but get to build up your clientele in the process. So that's what I think that's, that's a place that I would have never guessed a dietitian would ever have a presence, which you right. probably didn't either no. at all. But what a great opportunity, like you said, for people that actually want your services and they want your help and they're in it to win it. And that's like what we all crave as dietitians. And honestly, that's exactly what I realized as soon as I got into that position. I didn't realize how negative the hospital was until I left. And I look back and I'm like, wow these people actually want to come see me Mm -hmm. and pay me to come see me. Like, wow, this is great. (laughs) Crazy concept. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas like in the hospital, you know, you get 10 minutes with a person and you're expected to tell them how to eat a heart healthy diet and they still have, you know, all these drugs in them and they, their attention span is, is very little. It's like, I can't teach this person how to change their life in 10 minutes Mm -hmm. when they don't even have the attention span to, to comprehend anything that I'm telling them. So Looking back, it was like, yeah, I'm glad I'm, I wasn't in that position anymore. Um, so I think too, with like uh, weight loss in a clinical setting too, I feel like in a hospital setting, 
it's kind of like they're just checking the boxes as yeah. well. So I feel like that kind of continues into that outpatient type setting because they know they need to see you and they really want to lose weight, but they also just aren't as invested as they should be. Yeah. They're like, I just need to see her five times and then yep. I can go on with my surgery or whatever I'm going to do for my weight loss. Yeah. I feel like the way that our healthcare system is set up, especially with seeing dietitians, is so backwards. And we should be at the front end, mm-hmm. not the back end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's so that's kind of frustrating. But um, now that I'm, you know, where I'm at, you know, I just hope that those people will seek seek health services outside of the hospital because they exist. Know, they need it. Yeah. So obviously, the, your practice with the plastic surgeon was awesome and yes. you had a good experience, and you transitioned. How long ago did you transition out of that practice into yeah. your own? Yeah. So uh, I worked um, between Cook Facial Plastic Surgery and um, the Spot West Glen just over here. Uh, I worked there for a total of seven years. Okay. And um, in 2019, they decided as a business to discontinue offering nutrition services. And so I found myself, you know, without a job and I had like 30 days to transition out. And I am just the type of person that when I see one door close, I see another one open. And for me, I had always wanted to start my own business and actually had had sort of started writing a business plan back when that, that transition between the schools and, oh, the, sure. and the hospital because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But at that point in my career, I didn't know anybody and I, you know, I didn't grow up around here. And so I didn't have a network. I didn't know people. And you, you fast forward, you know, eight years, nine years, and all of a sudden it's totally different. And I looked around me and I had all the perfect people in my life at that moment. And it was just like, yeah, this is supposed to happen. And my kids were older, you know, it was a good time. They're both in school. So it's like, okay, great. This is perfect timing for me to go ahead and, and go off on my own. So uh, I had a meeting. It was like the first Monday in June. And I was told that June 30th would be my last day to kind of transition out. I could take all my clients with me, which I had worked very hard over those years to build up that clientele. Um, So I was grateful for that. And Basically, I had that meeting at 8 a.m. And by 2 p.m. that day, I was like, yep, I'm going to start my own business and (laughs) made all the calls I needed to do and, uh, you know, lined up my accountant, my lawyer, uh, marketing director, like somebody who could at least get my website up and going, um, figure out payment processing and off to the races we were, you know, it's like, you beat the the 30 day deadline, (laughs) the 30 day deadline. Yes. Well, and actually it was like really two weeks because, um, I had to have my, my website up and going and be able to accept payment so that people could start transitioning over. Um, and then I actually had a, uh, Vacate a family vacation planned, but I wasn't going to cancel that. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the the beginning of July. So I left on June 30th was my last day. And then we, we started driving out to, uh, we started in South Dakota, went to Montana and went to, you know, Yellowstone and Grand Tetons and, uh, which was an amazing trip. But I came back from that vacation. I moved into my office here and I uh, started seeing clients the next day. Oh my gosh. It was insane. That is insane. I mean, it's insane that you accomplished all that and knew to accomplish all that. Like, how did you know I need to get an accountant? I need to get a marketing person. I need to get a lawyer. I need to get all these things in place in that short period of time. 
Honestly, it, it, you know, I think back on that and I'm like, how did I know all that? (laughs) I I think it really just came down to the things I had been a part of and the different, you know, I had other friends starting their own businesses, not necessarily in nutrition, but other businesses. And I saw that happening. And so I, I had those people to fall back on and say, Hey, what did you do for this? Or what did you do for that? And, uh, you know, just connecting with other business owners locally has been huge on with that. And like, we, we all, all ask each other those same questions like so who does this for you or how do you do this or you know mm-hmm. you know and that's what it takes it, it takes a village really and you know realizing that like and my accountant was such a great resource too like she's been a longtime friend of mine I've known her for many years and so I'm like help what do I need to do <laughs> you know and she's like well here's what you need to do you need to do this this and this and uh you know my other friend was like well you need to decide you know what tax entity you're going to be. And then from there, then you have to, if you're going to do an LLC, well, then you have to apply for that. I'm like, okay. (laughs) Just tell me what to do. I'll do it. (laughs) So, so my friend introduced me to an awesome lawyer, local lawyer, and she fast tracked my LLC and got it through the state within two days. Oh, awesome. So I was, I had a business entity. Like I went in like on a Thursday and by that Monday I was an official entity, got my business name figured out, website, all that kind of stuff. It was all it was a whirlwind. It. it was a whirlwind. Yeah. It's still God. a whirlwind. So I was like, I'm like, I don't think that's probably changed too much for you. Because I no. know that your business has been super successful. And how'd you come up with the names? So you have to share that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh I, I love the outdoors. I, I love pretty much anything outdoors. If there's there's not a, an outdoor adventure I probably wouldn't partake in. Uh, I hope to skydive here soon. That's something that's you. definitely on the list. But <laughs> outside of that, hiking, biking, running, climb, I mean, you name it. I, I love it. And so with that, I was sort of thought, like, what words kind of go with that? Like, wh- how can I combine my love of the outdoors with my love of nutrition? And so one of the the big words that I feel like always comes up is the word journey and journey is used a lot. And I really didn't know how to like put that into my name of my business. And so I'm like Googling what's a synonym for journey (laughs) and expedition comes up. I'm like, it just, I saw the word and I was like, that's it. That's the word. That's the word I want. And, uh, and I knew I wanted like wellness or I wanted to keep it very general, generic, not anything too specific. So wellness was the word that I I came up with for that. And so expedition wellness. And it encompasses all types of things. All kinds of things. Yeah. So I think when you think about wellness too, that's a good perspective of it. Mm -hmm. It's not just nutrition. It's Mm -hmm. being outdoors and being physically active and cooking and food and all those things. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And that's where I felt like the wellness word just really encompassed all of that. Um, and you know, for future growth and plans and things like that, it's, it's nice because, because it is just two general words put together. You can really do anything with it. Mm-hmm. And That's good. So, you don't have to rebrand. No, I don't have to rebrand. Thank goodness. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Expedition Wellness is, is here to stay. So, so tell me about your business. Tell me like, you know, what kind of clients seek you out? What kind of clients do you seek out? What's kind of your encompassing way that you'd like to do your business? Yeah. So uh, I'm a nutrition consulting business, obviously. Uh, most clients, you know, are seeking out accountability. You know, that's a big one. You know, I see my clients on a weekly basis. Uh, I have an in-body scale 
Uh, so I do a full in-body scan each time my clients come in to see me. Um, so we're really able to use those more detailed numbers to more accurately depict their, their body and what's going on. And I think that's really important because it kind of gets people away from thinking about that, just that overall number. So instead, we're focused just solely on muscle, water, and fat not even like really focusing on that overall number, which I love because it really teaches people like, oh, when I step on the scale, there's really much more to that number than than just what I'm seeing. And I mean, you know, it's it's a constant battle with people because they're constantly focused on that number. But it is my lifelong endeavor to hopefully get people away from that and teach them that, you know, your water fluctuations are going to show up. If you're not going to the bathroom, if you had something salty the night before, like all those things are going to cause it to fluctuate. And so teaching them that through through the scale is, is one of my really important um, tasks that I have <laughs> laid out for me. Um, and then I also uh, have my clients, you know, track their foods. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, I like to teach my clients to think of it as like a budget. You know, we wouldn't just spend, spend, spend without knowing how much we're spending, right? So kind of the same thing with food. I think it's important to use it as an educational piece and not something like that's causing them to be restrictive. It, it, that's really not the, the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to truly see how much am I spending? Where can I make some changes? You know, what's important to me? What's not important to me? Um, you know, making sure I'm getting enough protein, carbs, and fats, and, and really making sure that's all in check too. But that's how I use it as an educational piece. And, and it really helps people see results that way too. Um, we do personalized plans for our clients, um, menu plans, uh, and then, of course, the accountability. So that's kind of the big, you know, big, we call them the big pillars of the program. Mm -hmm. um, I do have another dietitian working with me now, so it's awesome. She just kind of is getting getting off and running now, which is really exciting to see her uh, just in the last, gosh, she just started seeing clients in the last six weeks. Oh, wow. And yeah. she's already, you know excelling with that. So it's just exciting to see. That's see exciting that. for you too, as a mm -hmm. dietitian employing dietitians. Yes. I think that's really cool because you know, we all need that space to grow our profession. So absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is definitely something that I hope to continue to grow on, you know, in the future and provide an opportunity for dietitians to, you know, be able to either have their kind of their own business through, you know, expedition wellness, because, it, you know, it's a lot of work to, to start a business. A lot of people don't know where to start. And in, after having many conversations with dietitians, that's what I've found is that many are just kind of overwhelmed with, with all of it. Mm -hmm. And then even if they maybe have a name, they, they're like, well, I can't afford a space or I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, and so just to be able to provide that for dietitians, um, and provide a network and provide that, that space where they can meet with clients. Um, you know, cause I think virtual is great and all, but I'm a big in-person <laughs> type of, uh, dietitian. And so in a lot of my clients, it's funny, um, when COVID first took off last spring and we had to switch to virtual, my clients who I started with, like they started in March and then by May they came in person for a few times. Mm -hmm. And I got comments like, you're, you're right. It's way better in person. And, you know, so I think dietitians need to be careful with that as far as, you know, how much they go virtual because, 
virtual is great and all, but there's something about that human connection and being in person um, that is so powerful for a lot of these people because a lot of these people need that connection. Um, so, yeah. And that kind of, I think that that's, it's great that you speak to that because that accountability piece, I think, yes, if they're coming to you for accountability, they're going to be more accountable if you see them in person than they are virtually. Because it's Absolutely. still easy. 2D is way easier than 3D. I yes. guess that's my opinion it too. Is. So I think that that's great that, yeah, you could do a combination or mm-hmm. you could, you know, not, maybe not do all virtual, but having that in person. Well, it's nice to just be able to provide the option. So like I have clients, you know, all over the metro. I actually have clients all over the country. But the ones that are like maybe further in Ankeny or further south in Norwalk, mm-hmm. you know, and they can't get here because of time crunches, they'll just shoot me a text and be like, hey, can we switch to virtual today? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so at least they're still having that accountability and that what I call reset, you know, because I think, you know, seven days is enough for most of us to kind of need a little bit of a reset. And so it helps provide them that. Um, so, yeah, the I would say the focus um, is weight loss, but I don't even like to necessarily say weight loss. It's just, I say that because that's what's common for mm-hmm. people. It's really just teaching people how to eat healthy and live a healthier lifestyle. Uh, we also work with a lot of athletes as well. So, you know, we have ages, I have, I have a 12 year old up to 70 year old, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's such a wide variety and wide range of people and with different goals. And I have, I have women who come in and their goal might not be weight loss. It's just to learn how to eat healthy. And with that, they might decrease their fat. Um, you know, in the medical world, we call that, like, they might be in a healthy BMI, but their percent body fat might be a little higher, which is medically termed as skinny fat, mm-hmm. um, which sounds terrible. It does sound terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible. <laughs> That's what they call it, though. Uh, and so those are the type of people I love helping as well because it just helps them realize how maybe terrible they were eating Mm -hmm. and how just doing some tweaks to their nutrition can just change it all. And just, they feel so much better with it too. So that's, that would, you know, athletes, um, moms, weight loss, women, you know, that's kind of the, the The main clientele. I have plenty of men though, too. Yeah. Uh, I've had a lot of success with, um, males as well. So yeah. I love that you use the in-body scale. And I, you know, I don't know if a lot of people are familiar with that. And I, I am because I, we have one at, a, at the fitness center by my work. But I like that you use that as a tool because of those other factors. Mm-hmm. So how did, I know, and I know that was probably a huge purchase for you too, because they're not no. very cheap. But how did you come to that decision to use that as your tool when it kind of comes to seeing like that muscle, the water, yeah. and all those things? It actually was kind of laid out for me. Uh, so I kind of lucked out with that. Oh, that's when good. I, when I, when I, started at that facial plastic surgery center, they had already purchased an in-body okay. scale and it was an, it was, um, an older scale cause this would have been back in 2012. And so I had worked with that scale from like, they had literally just taken it out of the box and just like, here you go. Like, <laughs> okay. And somebody else tool. had chosen it. Like I didn't oh. get to do the research. I, I mean, I came into it, like they had already chosen, um, a weight loss program. They'd already chosen the scale. They'd already chosen all these things. And they're just like, here you go. And so I just had to figure it out. And uh, so through that, I learned really how to work with the scales. I learned how to interpret the scale as far as the analysis goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then fast forward, we ended up upgrading to a new scale in September of 2018. 
um, which was when I was still at the other practice. And so there's this brand new, and these scales are not cheap. I mean, like $12,000. Yeah. So it's quite the investment, but we had a trade in value from the old scale. So it worked out great. And then, uh, when I left, I, I had asked the owner, you know, would, would I be able to purchase this? Because I didn't see that they would really have a need for mm-hmm. it anymore. And, uh, they, they did sell it to me for a, a very good price. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that because that's kind of my baby. It's my tool. Well, and yeah, it's um, a great tool. it just really helps me be even more efficient and effective with, you know, helping my clients see weight loss, but also per- personalize their plans, you know, specifically to them. Mm-hmm. Cause another thing it gives is uh, basal metabolic rate and it, but it bases it on also their, their muscle mass. Whereas we as dietitians, if we're just doing that calculation on our own, we can't take into account muscle mass. And so it's just that much more precise with, with the numbers. So it's very, very helpful. I recommend any dietitian that has not done one to do one just to kind of mm-hmm. see the printout and yep. see all the things. It's and it's interesting how it even shows you like, oh, your right leg is stronger than your yes. left leg. It's, <laughs> it's crazy how that all works out. <laughs> I had a gal in the other day. Uh, we were looking at her right versus left side of her body and then her, her arms versus her legs. And she, she, I had asked her, I'm like, did you have like an accident or something? Because your, your left side is significantly, um, less lean than your, your right side. I mean, usually there's a little bit of differences and most people are right side dominant. So mm-hmm. it's pretty typical, but it was significant. And she's like, Oh my gosh, how can you tell that? <laughs> she's like, I had this accident and like she had fallen and like she had had to oh. do like, uh, like she'd cast and different things like that. So, wow. you know, the healing and treatment from that just caused her <laughs> lean mass to, to decrease. And she's still playing catch up from that it was many years ago, wow. but it shows up on the scale. And so she was just like fascinated that I could tell that without knowing anything, without knowing about, about I didn't know her. anything about her as far as the history goes. That's so funny. I also, someone was telling me that they can always tell like moms who lift babies. They're usually whatever dominant side that they lift their babies up yes. on. They're always so much stronger on that side yes. too. So yeah. It's very true. It's so interesting. I'm still confused on myself because <laughs> I'm left-handed. Uh, I do, but I do most things right-handed, I guess. Okay. So I'm kind of mixed. Um, but I would still say I do do more with my left. I, I would carry things on my left versus your right. I think I can't remember. It's been a long time since I held a baby. Uh, but and my kids are so big now, I can't even carry them. <laughs> but yeah, it's just weird. My left side is actually um, less lean than my right side. Interesting. It's weird. But usually, usually it's your dominant yeah. hand. Yeah. So, yeah. So yes, that's a great. It's an awesome tool. To it use, is, and that printout is priceless. So yes, mm-hmm. agreed. So where is kind of your business going? I know you've just hired someone, so you're yeah. building your team, but what kind of do you see for the future of oh your gosh, business? So many things. <laughs> I'm like, you probably uh, have this huge list. No, kind of. <laughs> uh, I, I'm definitely a dreamer and a, and a, an achiever and a goal oriented person. So I'm constantly dreaming up new ideas and what the future of the business and what that, um, holds. And there's just so much. We actually, Last fall, we were, you know, potentially going to be moving forward with a um, an actual storefront, and basically, you know, the the concept is more of like a, a full wellness center, and it would provide a space for not only dietitians but maybe other health professionals, maybe physical therapists, uh, other you know, mental therapists, you know, psychologists, things like that, but provide a space like no other because there really isn't a space like that 
anywhere, you know, at least in the state of Iowa, there isn't. And I think it's just really important to have some of those health professionals, you know, in the same area. You know, why, why as dietitians do we feel like we have to be, it's sort of this unspoken competition between each other. It's like, why, why do we have to have that? You know, why can't we be supportive of each other and the successes and maybe each other's specialization and say, oh, well, you specialize in that. Oh, well, Sally should go see you then, mm-hmm. you know, that's your specialization. I don't, I don't have as many good tips on, you know, gluten-free because I'm not, I'm not celiac and I don't have those, you know, certain conditions. So I'm not as well versed on them. And whereas this dietitian might be. And so I think that that's really important if we're really going to help our clients or patients in the best way possible, you know, we need to make sure that we are working as a team in that respect instead of taking on clients and not really doing our best job because that's not our specialization. And so I, I'm really big on that and I and I want to hopefully help that whole concept grow in the future. Unfortunately, the space that we were looking at, we uh, ended up kind of pulling back because in November, it was like right around the elections and mm. COVID is ramping up again. And I just felt like, eh, not I, quite yet. Not quite. <laughs> the time is just not right. The universe is telling me something right now. Mm-hmm. Like I need to step back. So um, that's, that's a really big part of the future. Along with that, uh, having a commercial kitchen, that's been a big goal of mine for, for many reasons. But Um, You know, the dream first really came from dietitians not having a space to be able to teach classes and to do some of those fun things that we love to do that we never, I don't get to do anyways, just Mm -hmm. because it's just so busy. Um, So it would provide a space to be able to do that or have other people come in and do that and rent the space. Um, So that's a big part of it as well. And um, working with other business owners in the area, that is definitely something that is needed. Um, is just having a commercial kitchen that can be rented or leased so people can work out of it. Um, you know, right as COVID was happening, but even before COVID, this was a big concept that was happening all around the country. But of course, Iowa is like last to right. be on board with it. Uh, and we have a couple of commercial kitchens locally. Um, but, you know, location wise, they're, they're kind of downtown ish in, in that area. Sure. And so I'm hoping to get something going oh. out west this direction yeah, yeah to provide more opportunities for for those business owners and you know that are creating food products and you know along with that then we can start doing healthy meals and we can start having all these things that are right there direct to consumer you know in in right there you know and not just the grocery store sure. <laughs> of oh, course sure. you know what i mean and have yeah. that opportunity to have it be a full wellness center and have people come in and feel like they can get all taken care From of start to finish yes yes in yeah. one spot so that's, That's kind of the, the big. Uh, I mean, those are big things. Big, big dream there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's 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 hard because we are so close to moving forward with some different things, but I, I'm just trying to be patient and wait um, for the right opportunity to come up. And once once it does, I'm You're I'm ready. ready. Yeah, <laughs> my business plan was done a long time ago now, so it's like I had to work really hard on getting all the numbers together and getting all that done. And now that that's done, it's like let's do this whenever we. Whenever we can. So, mm-hmm. well, yeah. it sounds like timing for you is is kind of been working out in your favor in the past. Yeah. So you have to kind of listen to the to the outside sources and go with your gut and yeah, kind of wait it, it out. That's it hasn't uh, led me the wrong direction quite yet. So <laughs> that's let's, good. Let's hope, let's hope that continues. <laughs> I think it's amazing that you've just grown so much from starting a business in a business and then kind of taking that and making your own thing and all the exciting things that you have 
plan for the yes, future. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. It's great for dietitians in Iowa to be to see someone like you being so successful that you can do all these out of the box jobs. You don't have to work, you know, in a food management or in clinical or you know yes. all those basic kind of places that we all think we have to be. And right, and there's like you said, there is enough people out there in the world for every dietitian. So we don't have to be competitive. We can support each other. We should be supporting each other and boosting each other up and, you know, supporting each other in each of our different specialties and, you know, being okay with that. Cause like you said, there are so many people in this world that need to be helped. And, and I always say, you know, I offer complimentary consults to, to my clients and uh, our potential clients, I should say. And I do that for a reason because I want to make sure it's a good fit. I'm, I might not be a good fit for, for everybody. I know I'm not a good fit for everybody. So I want to make sure that I can at least talk with them first and make sure that we are a good fit. And if we're not, then, well, now that I have another dietitian, I'm like, well, maybe Alex will be a good fit right, for you, right. you know, <laughs> or, you know, down the road as we have more, you know, dietitians available, then maybe that will be an opportunity for that to happen. And, you know, as I'm, you know, sitting there in that complimentary console and they're telling me, well, these are my, my issues and conditions. This is what I need help with. And I can be listening to that and saying, okay, this person will be the best person to help you with that, mm-hmm. you know, versus even just me. And I think that's important to, to offer as well, because I feel like that's where, again, the medical field fails because they're not actually listening to the patients. Oh, 100%. And then that will help you figure out what other dietitians do you want to hire? Because yes. if you keep getting the same kind of, you know, issues, you can be like, okay, well, we might want to hire a dietitian that specializes in this. So yes. that just helps your business too. Absolutely. <laughs> and don't worry, I already have a list going in my head. <laughs> yeah, of like, you do, because you bring different... very common themes. Yes. Yes, I <laughs> yeah. do. Yeah. So. Well, I, I know that there's going to be a lot of fantastic things ahead for you, and I'm glad Thank that you. we had this opportunity to connect. I'm sure, I always tell all my guests, I'm like, I'm sure we'll probably need to like reconnect in like five years. We'll be like in a totally different place yes. and doing crazy different things. So to be continued on your right. journey for sure. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I'd love that. All right. So now I have my end of the podcast questions for you. Um, always the hardest question. Yes. So share with me some foods that you enjoy. Oh boy. I, I, <laughs> I was reflecting on this and I mean, funny enough, and I'm, I'm not doing this just because I am passionate about vegetables, but I'm not even kidding. I eat red peppers almost every single day. Do you really? I love red peppers. Uh, if, if we went to the fridge and looked in my, my lunch bag, there's an entire bag of cut up <laughs> bell peppers. So, uh, bell peppers are a big part of my life. And so when Hy-Vee has them on sale for 10 for 10, I buy 20 now. Um, so yeah, bell peppers and, you know, just like anybody else, I feel like, you know, pizza and like all that kind of common stuff. I love trying new foods though. Um, you know, last year I was supposed to be going to Japan and, um, that ended up getting canceled because of COVID. And so, I was going out to different sushi places around the metro <laughs> and just trying like all different kinds of things and kind of preparing myself for Japan. I love doing that. I just think that that's so much fun. And, and as I continue to travel around the world, I love trying new new foods in 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 different regions even of the of each country and what's significant there and and then I bring that back here and then I pass that along to others and I try making those foods myself and I just really enjoy uh enjoy doing that so so share that part too so you love 
do you love to run marathons? I do. I do. I'm like, I'm one of those crazy people. I was like, she must love it. Cause I know that you are trying to maybe share that part of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I've been running marathons now for about, uh, 15 years and started when I was in college and just kind of got hooked. Uh, the Des Moines marathon was my very first one. And then, you know, took some years off and during college or not college, sorry, but having children, Mm-hmm. Uh, and then kind of just hit it hard, uh, ran Boston in 2012. And that really is what jump started. And I have a whole story about how that all happened, but that, that'll be for another day. But uh, ran Boston and, and really decided, okay, there's this thing called the World Marathon Majors. And it's the top six marathons in the world. So it's Boston, Chicago, New York, London, Berlin, and Tokyo. And uh, so there's lots of people around the world that try to try to do this. And some of them, they they try to do it as fast as they can and like get it all done in two years. And then there are other people who space it out because it is a lot of money and it's a lot of time and travel and all that kind of stuff. And and honestly, I want to enjoy the journey, you know. So I started this journey in 2012 and then um, in 2015 ran the Berlin Marathon. And then in 2016, I ran and the Chicago Marathon for the second time. I'd actually ran it in 2008, um, but definitely ran it much faster the second time, so that was good. Uh, and then in 2017, I ran New York City, and then uh, 2019, I ran London, and I was supposed to run Tokyo in 2020, and it got canceled, uh, which just was like, oh, yeah, just a knife to the heart. But uh, I, I've moved on from it. I've, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I've accepted it. Because at first, you know, honestly, when it happened, it was like COVID was still so new. And I'm like, is this just an exaggeration? Right. Like, what's going on? And, you know, a lot of the reason why I chose 2020 even to to accomplish this goal in, in Tokyo was because of the Olympics. Because I thought, oh, how cool would it be to run right. in the host city for the Olympics and host country? And, you know, when it got canceled... I was just like devastated and you know then I realized well the Olympics got canceled too so yeah, a- <laughs> really you know it all, the whole world I mean the whole world got canceled basically so I, I accepted it that helped me kind of move forward but um, obviously 2021 is still just kind of you know running random races and, yeah. and then to- Tokyo will be next year okay um, in 2022 so it'll actually end up being 10 years since I started that journey of, of accomplishing the world marathon majors um, and then last year because I didn't get to conquer that goal I decided well I'll, I'll do my focus on my other goal which was to run my 20th marathon in 2020 and so that meant I needed to run three marathons in 2020 in order to conquer that goal and um, after Tokyo got canceled, I ended up rushing around and getting into a, a marathon last minute and ran the Cowtown Marathon in Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> quite, quite different from Tokyo. And honestly, there were actually other people who uh, were supposed to run Tokyo. Really? But I ended up meeting up with there and, or, you know, kind of as we were walking, I'm like, oh, you were supposed to run Tokyo because we were wearing like the same Tokyo shirts. Aww, and yeah. so I got pictures with random people. And so it sort of was like a connection point with these other people at in Fort Worth, Texas. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And then, um, the rest of the year, you know, races just kept dropping off, you know, like crazy. And so every race that I had previously been signed up for had gotten canceled. And so it kind of came down. If I wanted to accomplish this goal, I was going to have to do virtual. And so I ran two virtual marathons this past fall. I did New York city and London virtually. 
And it was terrible. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to do it that running, way. <laughs> running a virtual marathon is yeah. not fun at all. And I didn't honestly, I didn't train for the, either of them either. You know, and so it just, I walked a lot. It wasn't your, it wasn't your heart wasn't as in it as much as if you would have been there in person. <laughs> well, the cool thing is like the London app that we used to run. They had actually recorded um, the crowds oh, and all wow. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that was kind of fun then. It was kind of like you were there in person, but it wasn't the whole full well, experience. And it was fun because I'd just been there the year before. And so like you get up to mile 12 and they're like, you're now crossing Tower Bridge. And I was like, eh, I know I, what that's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like hearing the crowds and everything. Because, you know, a lot of these big races, you have about 1.5 million spectators. That's insane. It's huge. Yeah. And so when you're used to that, those crowds, it's it makes a big difference. At least you could tap into your memory a little bit. That's good. It, it, was, it was perfect, actually. <laughs> and it was a beautiful fall day. So it, nice. it worked out great. Well, I'm excited <laughs> you're going to do that next yeah. year. That'll be good. Let's you can, like, start psyching yourself up again. <laughs> um, share with me beverages that you enjoy. Ooh. Well, I don't know if this is good or bad, but what <laughs> first comes to mind is tequila. Tequila. Uh, yeah, I love tequila. Uh, That's good. Yes. Um, gosh, what else? I love sparkling water. Um, not LaCroix. I'm not a huge fan of LaCroix. You're like the second person that said to me, like, I hate, La- I just don't like LaCroix. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's growing on me now that like, you know, there are the seltzer drinks and there's sure. just more there's so of those options. lightly taste, you know, it's, what do they say? There, there's people who have come up with definitions of, <laughs> of the, the taste of these drinks. But anyways, I like the sparkling ice, sparkling water. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. I it's guess just, I haven't tried that one. I'll have to try it. Yeah. Kind of it's very it. flavorful. That's um, good flavor. So that's kind of like one of my favorite beverages. Like after drinking water all day, <laughs> you come home and get, have a little carbonation <laughs> and, and enjoy that beverage. I love tea and coffee, too. I mean, I, I like everything, I feel like. Yeah. There's so. something that you dislike. Um, how about scents or smells you enjoy? Uh, that's a funny one because as I was thinking about it, I, I got a whiff of my hair and even though I've washed my hair a couple of times, it still smells like campfire. Does it? And every time I smell it, I'm just like, ah, I'm like, that's my scent. I love campfire. Like I love the smell of campfire. So when I come home from a weekend by, by the campfire and I can just smell myself and I'm just like, ah, you I like love that. that. Smell. Um, but also the smell of pine or, or pine trees, uh, is also my my absolute favorite whenever I'm in the mountains I like stick my head out the window and I'm like just like taking in a whiff of, of the trees in the air it just is one of my favorite favorite smells and it just makes me very happy uh it's so distinctive it is and no candle can replicate it no I mean the candles do okay I do enjoy the candles yeah um but unfortunately I usually have those on you know in the fall and winter yeah so sort of my favorite summer scents are like peony and lavender, yes. I would say. Those are my, my favorites. So you, you, have to, you have to florals. go with the, the season. That's, we get the Iowa seasons. We get different smells that we like. Which is what I love about Iowa. Mm-hmm. We get to change with each season and we have do. different smells and different clothes, clothes and food. food and everything. <laughs> yeah. Everything. I mean, even beverages. Like in the, in the winter, I'm more heavy with the teas and coffees mm-hmm. and, you know, hot beverages. And then in the summer, it's like I love more tequila. More, yeah, more tequila. <laughs> Anything sparkling, right? Sparkling. Like bring on the sparkles. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to have those different seasons. So 
If you weren't a dietitian, what would be a profession that you think that you would probably enjoy doing? I would be uh, some kind of a nature guide. Uh, I would, you know, I love all my, my Wonder Women guide friends who are naturalists and really can like put their brain power into like naming all these plants and all these trees and knowing how to, you know, survive with these different plants. Like that's a goal of mine is to learn more, you know, what plants I can eat, <laughs> you know, just more foraging <laughs> back to your Pocahontas back days, to my, back to my Pocahontas <laughs> days. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would probably be doing. I would probably be guiding people in the outdoors all the time versus just as a hobby. So, uh, that would be more of my, my, career path in, in national parks, especially national parks are sort of my passion. And I get a lot of people inquiring and asking questions about when they're planning their national park trips already. So I'm already thinking about like, okay, how can I work this into expedition wellness? Like have a little tab, like planning your next national park adventure, click here. Uh, and then I can help guide them, you know, cause every park is so different and it's important to kind of have an understanding of like what, what trails you might want to hit up or, or not hit up for that matter, which ones are going to be harder, which ones you have time for. Um, I have a, I had a lot of people going to Utah uh, for spring break, mm-hmm. and I get all excited when anybody talks about Utah because it, that was really where uh, I just sort of fell in love with the idea of backpacking and, you know, just being out there, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I had never really done that before. And so I did that in Utah for the first time and just fell in love with it. And that's really where that whole love of even just backpacking started and camp. I mean, I already had a love of camping, but like Mm -hmm. taking it to like the next level uh, with backpacking and, you know, there they have lots of climbers and different, you know, all different types of outdoor activities. And so it just kind of opens your eyes to all the possibilities that are out there and, makes me want to do all those things even more. And so it was fun. Like as soon as my, the, the conversations uh, about the parks started, I was like, okay, you got to do this. You, okay. Do you have time to do this trail? I don't know. You know, you know, it's just so much fun. I love, I love talking about it. So. Yeah. You should definitely include that. Cause I think people are like, I think with COVID too, I think people are starting to explore America more and yeah. like the national parks and the state parks even. And yes. that'd be a great addition. For I know. Sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe someday it's like, what are you, in your free time, in my free free time. time to put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's like when I have time eventually, I, I would love to do that. So I can see that you'll get your business going and maybe yeah. you could just run itself and you can go to do all that. I can, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that can be like its own little business offshoot, yeah. you know, and yeah. I'll just get to travel around the country doing it. So that would be pretty amazing. That makes me, that would make me really happy. <laughs> if you could just run marathons and do that. Yes. You'd be like I'd be in heaven. <laughs> I would be in heaven. That would be, and then just check in with business, you know, like, Hey, how's business going? <laughs> the building's still there. Nothing's burned down. Okay. Cool. Okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to continue on this trail. Text me if you need me. Yeah. And I might not answer because I yes, won't have cell service. I, I will be out in the middle of nowhere. So that's the best part about being in national parks is it, it really, you know, or, or state parks or anywhere where there's no self-service is it really allows you to disconnect and mm-hmm. really get connected back to the earth and to nature and to yourself really. And, you know, just as a kind of even a wrap up to like the whole wellness concept, you know, just m- even with myself, I've realized how important that is and how it can be truly healing. And, you know, people who are suffering from different, either mental, physical, whatever kind of conditions they might be, um, you know, hurting from it's, it's just a way to heal. And it's, 
it probably sounds cliche to say, but it, it really, it really does. And it really helps get away from the hustle bustle of life and really kind of takes you back into, you know, you know, kind of grounds you, I guess. Absolutely. And it really helps you realize what's important and what's not important, especially when you're living off of like what's in the, in your backpack. Yeah. You really <laughs> have to be, you have to be focused. Yeah. It's, it's just very different. You start to realize that there's a lot of excess in our lives oh, as far as sure. what we, what we live off of and how much water we waste and how much Gosh. food we waste and all these things. And so it, it just opens my eyes every single time I do it. I'm always in amazement when I come home, just like, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I like that. Thanks. Well, and this probably leads into what brings you joy in life. I'm oh, sure this all those things, does. all those things all I those just listed. Yes, uh, <laughs> yes. And you know, the best part is that I get to do those a lot of those things with my family too, and you know, spreading that love of nature and even nutrition to, to my kids is just something that has always been really important to me. And I see them doing that and we're actually going camping this weekend. And, uh, cause I was gone for mother's day weekend. Oh, so yeah, you were. <laughs> so I told them that we would go camping this weekend. Uh, kind of my mom's coming along. I don't know how this is going to go because my mom has not camped since I was probably in like fifth grade. So I'm like, mom, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. Okay. We'll see. She's like, you have a sleeping pad, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I do. But I just, I, I haven't seen you camp in a really long time. So in, in a tent, you know, oh, not an yeah, RV or anything. So, I mean, she's camped in my aunt's RV before, but not. It's not really camping. That's not really, I don't count that as camping. Yeah, that's, no. That's glamping. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll have a great weekend hiking and we might play some golf and just see what we can get in this nice. weekend. But all of that, yes, brings me joy. Just, you know, spreading that love of nature and being outdoors and being together is, is everything. So, well, this has been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for sharing everything. So good to see you. Yes. Great to see you too. It was great having a podcast in person with someone. I haven't done that in a very long time. And Jessica was a great guest to interview in person. I really think all the things she is doing with her business and, you know, for dietitians is beyond fantastic. We need more of those entrepreneurial dietitians creating those jobs for other dietitians in in a different space outside of the food service, clinical you know, community rotations that we experience. And I really appreciate the passion that she has for dietetics, but also for all the things outside. So for marathons, the great outdoors, I mean, you could really see the twinkle in her eye when she was talking about those things, but then also when she was talking about her business and her clients. So, you know, she has that passion for both things. Uh, she shares all her great adventures, you know, with the outdoors on her Instagram account as well as with her clients. So go give her a follow at Expedition Wellness Coach on Instagram. Remember to be great, always find the joy in each day and to start a conversation that truly matters.